Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's wrong. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together, is my shit together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Warm up, it's Jackson Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Andrew on the board, SP Futures up 8.15, NASDAQ Futures up 22.25, we haven't seen anything up for a while, so uh, maybe today we will actually stay up a little bit, we tried staying up Tuesday and it ended up being a huge down day, yesterday we were down a little bit, a very slow day, but still we could not get any kind of a rally, we're trying again this morning, we'll see if that happens, we had the bonds way up yesterday, we had the 10 year down, very very peculiar as the as the Fed is, is shrinking the balance sheet a little bit, actually shrunk it pretty much last week. And actually, is, is decreasing the money supply. Uh, we're seeing uh, bonds go go uh, go up, which is a little unusual, but uh, that's the way that is. Um, Lou, how are you? Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? We're doing okay. You might have to move to a different spot in the room, but uh, how are things out? Uh, by, how are things out by you? Uh, I'm good. I'm actually not in Denver. I'm uh, at an undisclosed location, and. Uh, Will be for a couple of a couple of days, so I was hoping the phone signal would be better. Are you out of country? No, no I'm I'm here. Right. I'm here in the I'm here in the U.S. of A. But uh, I'll uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed that the uh, the phone signal here is uh, is manageable. Well, you know, if you are in a hotel room, we could call you on the landline. Uh, I think there is a landline here, but I'll uh, let, let's see how this goes. Yeah, and on break, if you then Andrew can get it from you, and we'll. Uh, so uh, what's up? I, I, uh, so I, I, had a, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, among them, uh, the arrival of prime time just up the road from us in Denver and uh, yeah. Boulder. And uh, just a real brief, and then we'll get the sports part of the conversation out of the way. I, I put this down. I mean, if you think about what he was at, at Jackson, you know, an African-American coach in a historically black university, literally, you know, sort of turning that, sort of turn that program around, drawing a lot of attention, and, and in, the, in the deep south, where, where you know, he's, a, he's not just a, a superstar, he's a deity. And, you know, working on that job, but then moving to, to Boulder, which is a terrible football program, has a has a terrible recent history, and uh, you know, and not you know the, the kids the kids at you are not football fanatics like the kids in the deep south. They're just not. You know, there's too much other stuff to do around here, and so I, I just I think it's an interesting an interesting job. Uh, he's not he's not in a huge media market. And, and I mean, there are positives and negatives to that, but but you know the the, the flash and the bling that he that he bling, brings because of his personality and his style 
that is, I think, much better suited to a place like L.A. or New York or Miami or, you know, even Atlanta rather than, or Dallas, rather than, you know, Boulder, Colorado. But but we'll see. I, I, I do, you know, I do think that there's a, a reasonably good chance that somebody at, at Boulder got to the, or some graduate consortium at Colorado got to the, uh, the leadership and said, hey man, let's, um, let's get this NIL thing going. We got a lot of rich, older graduates that, that can kick money in or willing to kick money in. So let's start with the coach, get somebody flashy in here, and let's, let's start making a name. I, I, I sort of look at the hire as kind of the same thing that brought Russell Wilson to Denver. Maybe not terribly sophisticated, you know, football people looking for a name and, uh, and latching on, and latching on to him. I, I do think it's interesting though that there was not, apparently, not enough money within, you know, whatever community focuses on historically black universities. Um, there was not enough money in that system to keep him there. And and I, there's been some interesting commentary by, by guys like Jason Whitlock, who come at this thing directly from a, a, a black, what he calls a black cultural perspective, where, where he just said, you know, where where are all, and we want to we promote these kinds of colleges, we want to we promote these kinds of programs, where are the, where are the first of black and entertainers where the black sports stars kicking money to to these colleges so that they can that they can upgrade their programs and and i i just i i have no idea whether that's that's a, well i'll tell you what lou a, a, a valid viewpoint but i think it's an interesting one i would uh as you know knowing me forever um nobody loves sports more than me i'm sure a lot of people love it as much and i and i am a fan of football and stuff, but the, the day I give somebody a dime to pay some players, the day I die. I mean, it, it, it'll, ne- it'll never happen. I'm not one of those yeah. people. I mean, I don't, well, I don't well, think I my think, opinion... I think, I think that, and I, and I think that, you know, that reflects that reflects my assessment, too, but, you know, I, I played I played in college in a service academy. And, and in, the, in the 70s, when, you know, there was such a, this whole thing of student-athlete was still a was still something meaningful. I mean, it still is a service academies, and I, I want to talk briefly about the Army Navy game in a minute. But the, I, I think, I think somebody, I think CU looked around and said, "We have got a boatload of very wealthy alums. Denver is, uh, and the area is becoming a, a hotbed of, you know, investment in, in high tech." And in educational programs, there's a ton of government money pouring in there with with all the defense contractors that are there, and the bases in Colorado Springs and and in uh, in Denver. So so let's start taking advantage of some of this of some of this money that we can tap into to pay our kids, get a and, and get and get a, a flashy coach who's going to draw some people to it. See that that's where and that's where the Broncos made their mistake. Their mistake was spending money on a player rather than on a coach, and, and and spending money stupidly on a player 
rather than the coach. Well, it's not a, it's not the coach. It's it's the whole it's the leadership organization. Tam, Tom Landry would not have been Tom Landry without the GM, without the owner, all doing their job. It's a, it's well, a, it's a three. That's true. But but the Broncos, I mean, I mean, but but the focus if in a team like that, when you're a new owner coming in, your your focus rather than trying to get a name player to draw people to the stadium and, and, and establish a winning tradition, your focus needs to be on your coach. Well, you could put and Vince Lombardi on the Bears, and he's and he's four and fifteen, or whatever the hell it is, four and thirteen. I'm sorry. You could you put Vince Lombardi on the on the Bears, and he's yeah, four and thirteen. I don't think so. Okay, I think he's five. Sean Payton into the Bears, and you'd see a you'd see a turnaround probably within a year or two. Well, see what, what, what you're what you're saying, Lou, is a oh, you obviously you know the law a lot better than I do, but what what, what when you see these kinds of moves towards a coach. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. When I was at the University of Chicago, they had a big, and to this day, people are still, when uh, when firms uh, put through a stock split, okay, is it good for the stock? This, this study goes back, you know, how, how many friggin' years? And the, and the conclusion was, after, after months of study, that you couldn't figure out whether or not the stock split was a, was an event, even though it shouldn't be, because all you're doing is doubling the amount of shares. It's a profitable event for shareholders or not, because the announcements were never were never uh, singular. There was always incre- our earnings were better than expected, and we're splitting the stock, something along those lines, or we're increasing the dividend and we're splitting the stock. So you can never separate out <clears throat> one for the other. I mean, and the best example I think when the uh, Notre Dame was kind of down a little bit, and they decided to hire Lou Holtz. Okay, he was a big name and a coach, but it, it wasn't just <clears throat> Lou Holtz. It was a, a total recommitment with a massive indoor practice facility with all kinds of other money thrown at it. Lou was just a piece of the puzzle. So if you were to say the Bears are hiring Vince Lombardi, and oh, by the way, we're doing all this other stuff too. We're getting a GM, and we're going to start you know, and emphasizing the draft, and we're going to put more money in this and that. And other. I get it, but but those 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 uh, if you just you know beam the guy in from the enterprise and beam the current guy out, I don't think it makes a difference at all. The same players and the same attitude. I understand what you I understand what you're saying. Um, I would I, I'm looking at this from the perspective of are we going to you know what 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 should we spend money on? Should we spend money on bringing in? You know, a flashy player, or we should we spend money in bringing in a coach? And my position is that a coach, because he or she or whoever, uh, because the coach is going to affect the entire organization. He's going to have a staff. He's going to have. He's going to be be impacting what the GM does. He's going to have an assessment on talent. There's a much wider ranging kind of impact. Than a single, a single name. Well, oh, what you just said, though, again, management-wise, <clears throat> what you're implying is you're giving the new coach the power to hire his own staff. Maybe the other guy doesn't have it. Well, I, I, I'm, I, there's, there only, I don't know of a coach. I only know of one coach who agreed to come in where he couldn't hire his own staff, and that was a disaster. Mike Ditka. Uh, he couldn't fire he Buddy couldn't. Ryan. Pardon me? He had, a, he had to live with Buddy Ryan, according to George Hallis, when he came in. Um, okay, well, 
the guy that I'm thinking of is Les Steckel, who who had to inherit, you know, the entire almost the entire Viking staff during his disastrous one year tenure. But but anyway, I, I'm my my point my point is that I think a coach I think a coach is a is a more important hire in terms of the kind of development that you want to you want to see your team make, and I, I think that's I think that's what they were sort of doing in, in Boulder. Well, I, I just. I just wonder, well, I just wonder if Sanders is going to be good. Well, let's take this one step further. Uh, Kevin actually listened to the interview and says it wasn't as bad as it was reported. But Yeah, I listened to it too. But it, it appears that the the model, even though they got their butt kicked by Utah, the new model for some of the, I won't say, I'll say flashy coaches, coaches that don't give a crap about people, that's another way of looking at it, I guess, Uh the new model appears you show up, you get rid of everybody who's there, and you bring in, what, 19 transfers this year in Southern Cal? And you find a way to get rid of the other people because they, they, have, a, they have a scholarship. It's only a one-year commitment, but most schools, at least according to Kevin, really don't, really don't, haven't reached the point where they're just not renewing 15 people because they wouldn't want the press. They've, even though that's, quote, you know, the commitment, most schools are still giving people four years. I don't know if you think that's right or not, but but he came in and essentially this is the new world. I don't know any of you guys. I don't want any of you guys. You must all suck because the team sucks. So why don't you get the transfer portal and get the hell out of here because everybody who leaves means a new guy that I can bring in. I uh, This is only, what, a year or two after <laughs> the Supreme Court stuff, and, and it kind of piled on with this. Now you get to transfer and play the next year, and then everybody's got the COVID stuff where some people are still hanging another year of that. Where people are playing in their sixth year or whatever. Uh, somehow, Lou, this is going to blow up. There's going to be a limit to five transfers a year or four or something. Other schools are sitting there going, "Hey, this is crazy. What are these people doing?" I don't I mean that, I, that may be that may be the case, but it's not in place now. No, there's no uh, rules at all now. So, but but I mean, so, do, do, do people really want? I mean, somebody's going to start writing stories about here's a guy that was a you know he was a, a starting tackle and all of a sudden all oh, their they're beating them up in practice and telling them how they don't want them. And these stories are going to get out there. They ha- they haven't yet, but they're. I mean, the idea that we, all you guys are out of here, all new guys are mine. Does the guy even get to do his second? Kevin says that even if you're if you're out, you get you get the second semester. They pay, and so you at least got the end of year of the year. But I I don't I don't know. Are people that sports hungry that they don't care what these people do to anybody? I guess maybe they are. Well, the answer the answer to that question is yes. Any, any other stupid questions? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, but on the pro level, now, are, are we going to start doing this in high school too? I mean, I mean, how far, how low are we uh, going to go? L- listen, listen, chief. There has been this kind of thing has been going on since the eighteen eighties. So, so I think the guy's name was Pudge Heppelfinger. He was a pro football player who enrolled at various colleges. In, in the Northeast at, at various times for various games during during the 1880s and I think I think he was in the 1880s yeah you can you can look him up but but his his I mean he was probably the most famous because it was in name I assume uh, but but this kind of thing this kind of thing went on from the very beginning of college football Lou, I am, and, and it was only it was only until after the NCAA started getting into the, into the mix on this and and really clamping down on what was you know what was effectively a professional league, and and we are we are back 
We are back to the 1880s. I can't, I, I refuse. I mean, I, I, you know, well, I was in Notre Dame in the 70s. I knew a lot of the guys, and I, I've known Notre Dame graduates, and guys were really into it. And I know that in the last, you know, however many years, there have been really good student athletes that have been picked up by law firms in the summer as an intern. And, you know, they always showed up. They got paid probably more than a regular intern. I, you know, I don't know. I, never, I, don't, I have no idea. But also, those in those days, you didn't, you actually had time in the summer where you could go get a job. Where now, of course, you can't. You're, you're going to school and you're in practice, what the hell you're doing all summer. And I and I know that there was there was I mean I'm not that naive but I know that there was always some favoritism, but it, it's nothing like this. It's nothing like this where people are bidding from people from other schools on a daily basis and well, people, it, it's look, nothing look, like this. You're going to see, you're going to see this thing push to the very limit. It's going to get pushed as far as coaches can push it. I mean, I mean credit the credit to Sanders for for being open and honest. And saying, "Listen, how many of you want to play for me? You want to come play for me here, and and let's uh, you know, let's go get in the portal, come jump over to see you. We got a beautiful school here. We got nice facilities. You know, we're not in some crime-ridden you know neighborhood like like, like UCLA. Um, you you can come, you can come play football here, and and I mean, it, 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 no, nothing's stopping." And, and so he's gonna he's gonna push it to the limit, and I think that's I think he's just out in the open five. Well, I mean, okay, I, I guess I can be in the open and say I'm gonna go murder somebody too. That doesn't make me. Well, honest. I'm I mean, not saying I'm not yeah. saying well, that's at least illegal. I mean, what he's doing, what he's doing is perfectly. Well, perfectly let's put it this way: so pushing they, pushing I, people. You're gonna see it pushed to the limit. This idea, this idea of well, it's not honorable. You know uh, that that was as I said. That was out out the window in the 1880s. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. About this I'm stuff. not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to justify it because of what somebody did in the 1880s. I, I'm just saying, it's been there from the very beginning, and the idea the idea that you know this is some this is some monstrous change, and that, that it's improper for people to take take uh, advantage of it. I, I understand. I, I I understand that position. You know. So, I think I told you. Well, that, I mean, if not, if not, I'll tell it to you again. When when Herschel Walker, uh, the the unlamented senatorial candidate, when when Herschel Walker uh, left Georgia Earl to to go play in in the, what was it the USFL? Yeah. Um, I I I thought that was I thought that was crazy. It's just well, it was 1980, 1981. I thought this is this is crazy. You know, he shouldn't be, you know, and my father said, listen, we should be paying these, these kids. He had maintained that position throughout his, his professional I don't, I don't have, I don't have any issue with that. I'm just saying, even though it's not illegal, even though I guess in somebody's mind it's not immoral, if, if Notre Dame got, say they fired this guy, all right, and his, or even this guy, if he were to say, my recruiting class is this year and said, you know what? This junior class that was, uh, you know, Brian Kelly's or this sophomore class is Brian Kelly's. I don't know. I think you guys all suck. Uh, I'm giving. I'm renewing the scholarships of one of the thirty of the twenty-nine. Better find a way there through the portal or, 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 or hitchhiking. I don't care how. Get the hell out of here. We're not renewing anything. I'm just saying, Lou. It, 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 I'm sure 
It would be technically legal, but that would be a massive tone change, a massive tone change that a lot of people would not be happy with. Uh, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and the short answer is that you will be in competition because you guys and Notre Dame likes to win. You will be in competition with schools where coaches and athletic administrations look around and say, hey, yeah, you know what, that ethics is great. How does it reflect on the scoreboard? Well, I mean, Lou, in, in every sport, I, mean, I think if somebody were to show up on, a, on the offensive line with a knife and stab people, by the end of the game, he's probably down to the point or found a guy. I mean, there, there needs to be some sort of, any kind of sport needs rules, or else it's not well, a sport. Well, I'm, and, 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 you know, the response, the response right now is, okay, the rules allow me to do this. Well, there are no, right now there are no rules. I'm saying that. <laughs> well, but yeah. that's, and, and the fact that there are no rules are, in fact, a type of rule. So the rules allow me to do this. Well, I, so, I, I don't know that the, even though our population is so sports, you know, I mean, Karl Marx is wrong. Religion is not the opiate of the people. It appears to be no, sports. No, it's sports. Uh, but, I mean, it, it, the, this, this constantly running to the bottom common denominator. I honestly believe, I, I really do believe, Lou, that this is going to be, maybe this is what brings us to, uh, what's the guy's name? Who wrote the book on, uh, he went to Northwestern, the newsman. Just forgot his name. He wrote the book. The Northwestern graduate who wrote a book that's not narrowed down. He was he was on the uh, sports writers on TV. Rick Tellender. Oh yes. In his in his book, he said, "Well, you're going to end up with like 40 schools that just decide to become damn near pros." Oh no, no, that's that's you and I've had that discussion. That's where we're headed. And so let me let me wrap this particular discussion since we're getting close to break yep. with a note that the Army Navy game is going to get played this weekend. Um, I I I have never attended an Army Navy game, although I played against both. of them. When I was when I was at Air Force, um, it it remains in many respects, and I think it's an important game. It remains a, a real marker for you know scholastic um, athletic achievement in our in our university system. Um, maybe, I agree. maybe the Ivies, maybe some of the Ivies have you know have a similar kind of. Of uh, set up when they're when they're playing, since they don't award they don't award scholarships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of do. <laughs> yeah, but but you know this is this is too. You know, I mean, Army's Army's going to go to a bowl this year. This is you know a bowl bound team and another team that'll fight them like hell. And and none of these kids that that I can think of, none of these kids are are, are going to go pro. Or if they do go pro, they go pro with some. Some very significant limitations on their on their off season activities, and it it is as you know it says pure a you know, none of these kids can get NIL money, none of them none of them can get can get sponsorship. Um, you know when they when they go back, I mean there's there's some there's some advantage to being a football player in terms of the social structure of the various the various student bodies, but the short answer is. That if, if they you know they win or they lose, they put their uniforms back on the next day and they're back in class. They're subject to the same rules as everybody else. If they don't show up on time, if their hair's not cut, you know they they are are back into a system that, that treats them pretty much the same. Now there are a few notable exceptions. Army Army has screwed up lately, but but that that generally is the rule for these guys. Are there any it, other other than? Uh, 
other than the Admiral and Roger Staubach, are there any other really breakout stars from those academies? Um, there was a kid who was the Outman Trophy winner at Air Force in 90, 90 I think, 89, 90, who um, literally came out of nowhere. And he, he started for the Cowboys, but he wasn't like an all-pro or anything. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Stavak, Stavak may have been the last, you know, the last Hall of Fame guy from. from well, uh, the, the best. I mean, maybe the last one we'll see. The bat. Well, the basketball player surely is. Well, yeah, Robinson. But I'm yeah. talking about football. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. Oh, yeah, Robinson. Robin. But you know, again, Robinson. <clears throat> Robinson was like this, like this different Air Force who won the Alvin Trophy. Robinson was a physical anomaly. Um, but but uh, he grew while he was there. Nobody thought he was that good when he was uh, being recruited out of high school. Um, so so no, there there haven't been. And, and in fact, you know, if you look at if you watch a service academy game, one of the things that'll jump out at you is that one of these guys are significantly smaller than the people they're going against. Um, and and you know, number two, they're they're not as they're generally not nearly as athletic. And well, they're not as they're not as they're probably very athletic. They're not as big and athletic. Well, no, they're just not. They're just not as. I mean, the the the, the knock on the, the, the line about Air Force when I when I played there, and it's still true to a certain extent, is we're small but we're slow. Yeah. Um. And, and you know they're just they just don't have the they just don't have great team speed. Were you one of your and, Were you one of the bigger guys? You must have been. Um. I mean, I was about average for alignment. I played, I played offensive line at two forty something, maybe. You know, at my biggest, yeah, maybe. Um, but, but you know, I mean, the, the, my point is that um, this is a noble, you know, kind of a noble endeavor, and and to watch these guys slug it out, and they're slugging it out for nothing more than than bragging rights. Well, I've had I've had this. We got to go to break here, but I've had this argument, uh, discussion, argument, with probably twenty people now, and I haven't I haven't had one person who's agreed with me. But I'm, if if this becomes the model to this extent, I'll bet Boston College, Northwestern, even though they're building a stadium, I bet a lot of schools just say we want no part of this. Oh yeah, well I, I mean Air Force Air Force is, is undertaking a one hundred and fifty million dollar renovation of its stadium, which it needs. But, but I've raised the issue, and I, I know a number of other people have too. You know, in 10 years, are we going to recognize this football program? Are we going to recognize our athletic programs? Because we can't pay our kids. Yeah, well. You know, everybody else can. Everybody we compete against can. You know, I well, mean, the thing of it is. We end up in yeah. what I call the SAT conference. Well, they're not, they're not into paying their kids. They're in, in, into paying whoever's coming from somewhere else. It's going to be almost be like baseball where two guys are making, or 15 guys are making a million and three guys are making twenty five. I mean, it's and they're not twenty five times better. They're two times better no, or three times. No, better. but there's got to be no. But, but you know, I mean, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna end up with some real inequities, and and I think the recognition of those inequities are going are going to have to drive what these programs look like. I I I mean, you may end up with a with a conference where you've got the three service academies: Vanderbilt, Northwestern, uh, Rice. Um, you know, maybe maybe Cal. Um, yeah, and, and, and those you know, those kinds of programs. Well, why don't we head to break here, and then uh, while we're on break, maybe Andrew can find a way to call you on the landline, and uh, uh, if you give him the number, because that always works. And uh, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP futures up 9, actually 9.25. NASDAQ futures up 25. We've got the Dow futures up 59. Individual stocks, uh, nothing crazy. We've got CVX, Chevron Texaco up $1.71, uh, which must mean oil is up. Oil is up $1.59, but still $73.60. Uh, other stocks in the Dow, uh, JP Morgan up 60 cents, McDonald up 55 cents, so nothing nothing crazy. Actually, it's slow enough to roll. Some of them aren't even open yet, or when I say open, uh, trading pre-market. 
um, around the rest of the world we have uh, that I think we're going to talk a little bit about more with Dan and at, uh, at 7 is uh, his movement in the bonds is really something right now con- considering what the Fed is doing with the money supply and stuff these bonds flying up like this interest rates piling down is normally not what you get when the uh, when the Fed is actually constricting the money supply but uh, they are uh, over in Europe we've got the DAX down 32.2% puts you down 95 cents let's call that one flat Kick around down 8.1%, so very muted in Europe and slightly down. I mean, right now the big numbers are the PPI this week on Friday, the Fed meeting next week, and the CPI next week. So to say we're in a little bit of a holding pattern here is probably an understatement. We're in Asia, we got the Nikkei down 111.4%, Shanghai down 2, call that flat. And Hang Seng now up 635, 3%, 19,450. Uh, again, city is considered COVID rule easing, so... This Hang Seng is all over the place. It would be interesting trading that. Let's say that's a one word. Interesting. You say the Dow was up a buck, so call that flat. S&P down seven, and Nasdaq down fifty-six. It was a uh, a day where if you were a bull, you'd say, "Well, look, we can't go down any further." If you were a bear, you'd say, "This is this is not much of a rally after after the uh, Tuesday debacle." Um, so yeah, it was a uh, kind of an odd day. It was very slow too. Uh, bonds. Up five basis points, 3.46. The bond unchanged at 1.79. These things are way off their highs, these 10-year ten, rates. Uh, Japan, 0.25. We've got oil, uh, like I said, making a rally here. Dollar 63, up 2%, but still 73 bucks. Far away from the 80 it was not very long ago, like, you know, days ago. Uh, Brent up 89 cents, 78.06. Natural gas up 14 cents, but still up below 6 bucks, 5.86. Arbob up 2 cents, 2.10. We've got gold. Is up a full dime, up to 17.98. So knocking at the door of 1800. A silver up three cents, 22.96. Copper up three cents, 3.89. We've got Bitcoin up 11, 16,839 under 17,000, which some people think is a key figure, but I don't know what's a key figure in there. And we have the U.S. dollar uh, sort of muted. The euro, the euro's uh, up a little bit, which means the dollar's down versus the euro, but the pound is down a little bit, a very little bit. So let's say the dollar's flat. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right. Let's see here. It is currently uh, 6.38 here in Chicago on Thursday, December 8th. Over for sports, uh, last night in the NBA, the Bulls won against the Wizards, ending a 115-111 to game. But the Suns lost the Celtics in a 125-98 to game. And over in the NFL tonight, we can look forward to the Raiders playing the Rams at 7.15 p.m. Now over to Chicago weather, it is cloudy today, currently at 35 degrees with a high of 41. And over in Phoenix, we're currently at 44 degrees with a high of 66. Now for Chicago traffic, we kind of got things all over today. Uh, As usual, traffic is building on the major inbound expressways. Uh, But there are some things to note as there are multiple accidents out on the uh, northbound Tri-State Tollway. Uh, So expect some delays out there. And especially some uh, delays on the... uh, Southern, 57 North, and 94 West. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. We have, uh, so Lou, we have, um, what what happened to the Rams? Is it just, you know, is Baker Mayfield going to start tonight? In terms of their performance, you mean, overall? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're the Super Bowl team, we're not even talking about I mean, not I making suppose, the playoffs. I suppose it's a measure of desperation when you sign Baker Mayfield. <laughs> well, well, they, well, he's not horrible, and they got nobody else. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this was, but this was Kroenke's 
um, this is Kroenke's, you know, bet. He he went all in for one year, <clears throat> for one one Super Bowl, and they got it. So, you know, from his perspective, the fact that they're doing terrible this year might be a feature, not a bug. And uh, you know, he he looks around and says, "Okay, we you know we we blew our salary cap. We did all our did all our stuff. Now they've had you know they've had terrible injuries, but um, it." I, I see this as I see this as part of the plan. Was the how many years ago was were the Eagles like the last team? I won't say the only team to win the Super Bowl and not make the playoffs the next year, and not be five hundred or something. That sounds right. That sounds right. But but yeah, I mean it. You know, it, it, this is this was part of the this was part of the the strategy. Um, I did I did want to shift over to away from the, the sports to two two stories that hit my radar and and one of them is is important because it it goes to the very heart of the things that you raise on a pretty regular basis especially when it seems when you're talking to me about how our bureaucracy operates and how dangerous it is to to operate on the assumption that the people that are in our federal executive agencies are somehow um are somehow looking at the public interest before, you know, before their own, um, and this this relates to the the COVID origins story, which a bunch of emails dropped um, earlier this week from a Freedom of Information Act request that finally got got delivered. So FDA and NIH had redacted all kinds of information out of these emails, and this. This guy, this journalist, sued and said, "I want, I want the unredacted stuff because these emails aren't labeled classified and aren't marked classified. So let's see it." And so, what the emails show is that in the end of January, uh, beginning of February, there is an ongoing discussion in NIH about where this stuff comes from and where COVID came from. And in fact, two of the two of the scientists that were that were on the NIH's sort of research panel um, came forward and said, you know, this this bug has a feature. It's called a furin cleavage site. Don't 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 get don't get uh, pornographic on me all of a sudden. That is not found in any other coronavirus. And and it looks you know, it looks really odd. And it looks like it's been sequenced the the gene coding has been sequenced in such a way that it makes it almost impossible that we would see this naturally occurring, and and how you know how would it get here if <clears throat> it wasn't done in a lab? And and these emails go back and forth on this. Well, <clears throat> this discussion, this discussion lasts for a day, because at the time, <clears throat> Fauci, of course, who's in in the discussion with these people, knew that he had been funding his NIH grants had been funding this Wuhan lab doing gain-of-function research on on coronaviruses, specifically with bats, and that they did not have a bat or bats flying around that had this thing, you know, that they had, that had this thing inside their systems already. And he also knew that if, in fact, this lab leak thing got traction, he was going to come under, under scrutiny. And it was going to be very quickly discovered that they had been funding this stuff. And so he organizes 
he calls up a couple of his buddies in the in the EU, to whom, by the way, he is providing research grants, and they get on a call with these these scientists, and they they have this sort of you know hammer down session on these two guys, saying you guys don't know what you're talking about. This thing couldn't have possibly come from a lab. It's clearly you know uh, biological in origin, zoonotic, comes out of nature. You know, don't be stupid. Blah 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 blah. And then lo and behold, the next day, these two these two guys who made this discovery said, "Oh well, we think the we think the natural origin story makes sense." Well, there's been a and then and then and then one of them, the one who didn't work directly for Fauci, gets a two million dollar grant for for studies going on in his facility. Well, if if you, if you especially in today's world, if you extend out the truth long enough, it's almost not even the truth. We, in the two and a half years since this COVID thing has been around, we've gotten, you know, from different... Actually, some of the stuff has been from overseas. We have a couple of overseas listeners. And it's been very obvious to me from the get-go that w- without any sort of uh, intent on the part of the Chinese government or anything like that, that this thing escaped from the lab. There is there is no doubt in my mind that... and I, But it was somebody in the lab was careless evidently got it, walked out, and passed it around. I don't think there's... I mean, when when the... Uh, I'll give you three three reasons why I think that. One is, uh, like you said, for some reason the thing has, what, a, like a double-scratch protein or something like that, which yeah, is not a COVID... It, it's got... But, and I'm not, I'm not into the... Uh, the yeah. lab leak thing, I think, has been established for my, for my purposes as well. My point is... Look at how the bureaucratic decision-making process was working. That's exactly Look right. Look at how these guys covered their rear ends. Well, I, Look I, at how they distorted well, the facts right, from so the get- that they would be covered. From the get-go, wasn't the attempt to get financing essentially said no dice from NSA because it was too dangerous or something along those lines? This, this is... This is the stuff that well, I they have. couldn't. They couldn't do the research. The gain of function, pure gain of function research, was determined to be too dangerous, and, and right. could not be done by by federal law. Can't be done within the U.S. Right. So well, they shifted it. Well, to I'm a, saying to they, a Chinese, and this, this is what I find unbelievable. Okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. I think the original attempt to get the funding for China was through the NSA, and the NSA said, "We're not doing it here because it's too dangerous. We're not doing it there." Or something along those lines, and I think something, the money something something along those lines. So so they they weasel worded the the grant application, but but Fauci is so focused apparently on this, they shift the the development to a a lab associated with the Chinese biological weapons program. And I, and I I believe the money actually filtered through the University of North Carolina. North Carolina was part of it. it it's, yeah. that, it's that institute by that, that Syrian scientist who, who has, his hip, has his hands in, in Fauci's pockets uh, through this, well, they, this whole thing. And as uh, you, you probably know the disease, was it, what was the last one of these, MERS or SARS or one of them? MERS, I believe. And, uh, and, and our guys, who are actually really good at this, our guys, because nothing, for whatever reason, and I, I have no idea why, all this, all this crap that's hanging around in bats never comes to humans directly. There's always an animal in between. And that was the reason why everybody thought this was at that open-air market. And evidently, the mirror, mirrors came to us, meaning humans, through camels. Yes. 
And, but, Middle Eastern res- res- Respiratory Syndrome, yeah. But, but we ended up finding that out, we, uh, the, our scientists under our employ, being citizens, found that out within one, six weeks, two months. Yeah, uh, because, it, they, because it occurred naturally in nature. Yeah. They were able to identify a couple of animals that had it, and they said, okay, there's the, there's the jump point. And uh, for the fact that the month after month after month they couldn't find the junk point, jump point, my, my thought process is, because I don't, I don't know as much about this as you or, or Carl, but my thought process is there wasn't one. Right. Well, that's it. Every day, every day you don't find... Well, so, so a part of this, these emails, this email dump, showed them jumping on this supposed study about pangolins, you know, anteaters, about a pangolin that, that had, or several pangolins that supposedly had a comparable virus. And so even though the study was, was bogus and they knew it was bogus, Fauci and his people jumped on that, wrote a quick paper saying, oh, here's the source. It's this, these pangolins have this kind of a, of a virus with this kind of characteristic. And they published it in an effort, again, to push down and tamp down the idea that this was a Chinese lab leak. Why didn't they, they had uh, to kill that because they could not stand the scrutiny. Why didn't the Washington name their team the Pangolins instead of the Guardians? That, I, I don't know. I mean, I think a pangolin is a is a kind of interesting-looking animal. Have you ever seen one? No, I don't, I'm trying to think what the thing looks like. Anyway, by the way, Lou, uh, we, we, we can talk about this a few more minutes because I want to get into some of this defense industry stuff. Hey, uh, the other one, I don't, were, I don't think you were on, was, was Carl. There was a somebody, and this, this came out of camera. No, I, I have not... I have not had the pleasure. I would actually look forward to getting on with him because he, I think we. No, I'm saying I think I, I think I sent this to you. The, there's a there was a committee in Congress that was was uh, investigating the whole COVID mess, and they they uh, what do you call when you ask some guy to do something? I don't know if they paid him. They some 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 dude is an absolute expert if there is such a thing, on basically Chinese government doublespeak. Oh, I, yeah. Well, we, I was on for this. We okay. talked about this. Yeah, and and he and his saying that no matter no matter how you cut it, in that November in the Wuhan lab, yep. everybody from China who was anybody was there saying what the bleep happened. Oh yeah. Well, well, and and let me let me just pitch pitch something else out to you. And I've mentioned this on the air too. <clears throat> the idea that it was a, a wet market uh, infection source is not incompatible with the idea that it was a lab leak, because we know that there were instances of, of Chinese scientists who were prosecuted for selling experimental animals in their wet labs because they had exotic animals that they were testing on, and when they were finished with them, they just took the carcasses and sold them down in the, in the wet markets. Okay, so it, it, might have been, it might not have been a human that walked up. But the point is, this is becoming, I think, fairly well known to anybody who, who is uh, willing to look at it. Now, the question is, the immortal words of, uh, of uh, well, I know Wayne has said it on the show a bunch of times, with the Nixon thumb, it, w- it wasn't the act, it was the cover-up. Are these guys going to get in any kind of trouble ever for this? No. No, there's no accountability for this. Why? I mean, Why? If, there was, if, there, if we had, there used to be. If, if, if the president wanted to play hardball, his advisors, or, or whoever's running the White House these days, Jill, um, would, would, file a, would file a claim. In, in one of the international arbitration courts against the government of China for the damages done. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking about the people here. Oh, no, our bureaucrats? No, because because this thing got politicized. And the fact that, that Donald Trump said this is likely, a, you know, this could be a Chinese virus, 
everybody everybody went crazy and said, no, no, we can't. It, we're we're going to oppose the president on this. And so people went nuts, and they said, no, no, it can't be the Chinese. Well, and anybody who criticized the Chinese or who who said something even remotely linked to it was was you know soundly chastised or I'm not talking about the Chinese. I'm talking about the people here. If it I'm was talking illegal, about the reaction here. Yeah. Once people mentioned the fact that it was China, because the president, because Donald Trump had said it was China, everybody jumped on it and said that can't be right. It's like ivermectin. Once he said that this was this was a, a workable, potentially workable treatment, everybody in the right, want to take said no, it's not. I want to take Trump totally out of the picture. You, I, you I can't. Well, I want, I want part of the equation. That's why the reaction okay, against discovering this was so was so direct. Well, and that's I, why there won't be any accountability well, I, for the people who actively misled us. What I, what I want to do is find out how come if it was not was deemed too dangerous to do it here. Who, who sent the money some other place, essentially against the law here? Who covered it up? It, it, has nothing, it has to do with Fauci and these people. It has nothing to do with Trump. Yeah, it's, it's Fauci and his NIH people. And if you want to you see a, a fairly tense discussion about this, watch Fauci's interview with, I think it's, uh, I think it's Rand Paul. Well, well, why don't we... We don't have anybody like this anymore. What, regarding like the Iran-Contra, do we have anybody in the Senate... Or, or house that anybody would say has the the, the human ranking if that's a term of a Daniel Inuit that we could be ahead of something like this and actually find out what the bleep happened that anybody uh, ever I, would actually I think, trust I think you've got I think you've got a very good chance of doing that I mean Fauci's deposition was taken two weeks ago it was completely unreported on by the New York Times or the Post or anybody else with any mainstream media accountability but but he he took he said I don't know the things that you know he had been intimately involved with. He said I don't know I don't remember over 150 times in the course of the deposition. That's a lot. And this is this is this is the Senate committee or the House committee? Who is this? No, this is a court deposition brought by the the state's attorney general for a number of states. But I think the guy who took his deposition who actually questioned him was the AG from Missouri. Right, I'm, I'm talking about a, a, a Dan Inouye type of thing from the Senate. No, no, somebody this is even trust. better, because you're under oath okay. in, a, in, a, in a formal setting with a court reporter and the attorneys who can follow up and who are asking real questions rather than grand Well, who, who's bringing the suit? Or is it a suit or a... a it's a lawsuit, yeah. By who? By the states who, who are trying to determine, trying to determine uh, potential damage claims from, from the suppression of this information. All right, I got a couple of other quick questions for you because we'll, we'll talk about this other stuff a lot next week because it's not going away. Um, I got a thing yesterday uh, sent to me, or I don't know if I, I think it was sent to me. Um, John McCain's was it son or grandson or somebody fought in uh, in uh, Afghanistan, and he uh, and he uh, there's some sort of a, a allegedly a law or something that he's trying to get passed where we're actually going to fund. Helping the people from Afghanistan who helped us that never got out of there. You know anything about that? I don't know anything about the statute, but I know that there have been efforts on that, and one of my law partners was heavily involved in repatriation efforts. Well, evidently now there's and for for our interpreters. Well, they're trying to actually get a law, and uh, and and, and, and uh, where there's maybe some funding, and because some of these guys are, are have made it out of Afghanistan, but they're in refugee places, other places, and we're mm-hmm. trying to get them yep. out of there, and. 
I mean, these are guys that, you know, essentially f- we trained and fought with us. Plus, there's the weird part is some of the guys were flying our helicopters and would love to be in, in our army. <laughs> and they're well trained. Yeah. And we, we can't get those guys here either. But what is, what is wrong with us? Uh, I, well, I mean, part of this, of course, is, is the way that we left Afghanistan um, with a presidential directive that said, we're out, and I don't care what the consequences are. And that's why we ended up getting 13 people killed, and that's why we ended up abandoning, you know, thousands of people who had helped us and acted as interpreters, and we left them to be hunted down by the Taliban. Um, so that that was a huge part of why that, that happened that way. But, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's something we ought to be ashamed of. And it's something State Department, you know, again, there won't be any accountability for this, but, you know, State, the State Department knew this was, this was happening. And, and had it, you know, at least six or seven months of advance warning that, that you know, this might, this might occur, and they, they didn't do anything about it. Is this a bigger fiasco than Saigon or about on the same level? No, it's not the fiasco at Saigon because we didn't have the same level of troop involvement in, um, in Afghanistan that we did in uh, Vietnam. But, uh, it, but it's, it's still disgraceful. Next question, I'm not asking you to pick stock winners, but... Uh, I mentioned before. <laughs> I don't. Well, I mentioned. Well, I mentioned before on the air that. Uh, yeah, I heard the discussion yesterday. Well, one of the groups, you know, uh, that I do business with has done very well in their well, relatively well, in their stock picking. I don't know the actual number, but uh, by heavily weighting defense stocks this year, I, I don't think that that ship has sailed yet. I think maybe you want to hang in there another year or two. But Lou, I don't. Other than. You know, Honeywell, Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, uh, you know, and, and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, the other aircraft manufacturer. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know who's under the scenes. Medium-sized companies, even bigger-sized companies that are that are investable. That are I, every every day. I hear a contract for eight hundred million for this and seven hundred million for that. I mean, there's got to be. If there's any kind of an ETF, the big the big guys are just going to overshadow the ETF. So I don't know how good that is, but. I mean, I'd I'd like to be involved in that, but I'm not so sure. I just want to pour money at the, the same five names that everybody knows no. either. So, so what I would do, what is it, Investor Business Daily that talks about the federal contracts that are that are being let? I would I would look at um, entities that are getting these subcontracts that are that are coming in behind Bell Helicopter or Boeing Helicopter or that are coming in behind. General Dynamics and Raytheon, because because one of the things these large contracts do uh, is they spread the money. And the way you get your your airplane or your helicopter or your tank system approved is you come in and say, well, I'm going to put money in your state, Senator, and it's going to be through this subcontract for this fire control system or this you know steel rolling facility or or this metallurgical operation, and and you. You go in and look at who those subcontractors are and where they are, and and then look to see if they, you know, if they're publicly traded or if they're if they're capable of handling handling investment. I mean, there's a there's an ammunition plant in Missouri that I'd never heard of that was manufacturing all the 5.56 ammo for the for the military, and and they, you know, you're talking, you know, millions and millions and millions of rounds a year. And they're just they're just churning it out. What's what's five point five six ammo for the uninformed? Oh, oh, oh sorry, five point five six millimeter. It's a it's the U.S. standard round for the a, for the M sixteen and AR fifteen. Okay, so it's a bullet for the rifle, basically. Yeah, bullet for the rifle. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, and so 
the Army switched over now to, I think it's a 6.5 millimeter round, and, and whoever gets the contract for that is going to be is going to be rich for the next few years. Um, but that 5.56 round is going to continue because there's so many there's so many M4s and AR-15s and, and M16 clones that are in federal service right now that those guys aren't going to switch over right away. What's what's the new one? What's the new gun? It's a it's a 6.5 millimeter semi-auto or auto capable. Uh, rifle that the army just adopted about six months ago. Is it any good? Yeah, it's a more striking power, better range, more accuracy at uh, at extended ranges, and a round that'll punch through body armor. Are you? Uh, have you fired this thing? No, I've never fired a six point five millimeter. It, the the advantage is that it's a little more of a kick than the the five five six round, but it's a lot it's a lot more striking power in terms of the the actual bullet. Itself. So how soon are we going to get that in the arms of since it goes through body armor, it's going to go through the into the gangs of Chicago. <laughs> well, I would suspect. I mean, it's, right now it's a pure military weapon, but you can buy you can buy six point five ammunition and six point five rifles out. They're out there available. They have been for a little while. But yeah, no, it's it's gonna it's gonna make its way out. How, how much? How much bigger are we talking than like a forty-four Magnum? For somebody who doesn't know anything about this. Oh no, it's much. It's smaller than a. It's smaller than a forty-four caliber bullet. I mean, a six-point-five, six-point-five bullet is somewhere around twenty-seven caliber. So it just goes faster, or? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a three thousand, three thousand feet per second, but it's a slightly bigger, heavier bullet. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that is. So we're right. Uh, I have a feeling, Lou, that we're going to be talking about. College football and this other stuff for like a real long time, and I, well, I, I, you, you I, made the comment. We're, we're watching an economic revolution take yeah. place. Yeah, we really are. I mean, it's it's actually fun to watch, but you just hope it doesn't land where there there are you know forty semi pro teams or twenty five, and the rest of the schools go back to God knows what. Well, that's right. I mean, it's it's not going to affect it's not going to affect the school that I that I cheer for. So uh, I'm just sort of watching. Well, you know, I I, I get the idea that uh, I mean, University of Chicago just got a huge grant for something. I think if you talk to their chairman, he'd say, "Dumping football never hurt us at all." You know, I don't. And other people are going, "Oh man, you can't. You have you 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 have to play, or, or you're not your school's going under." I don't buy that either. No, I, I mean, doesn't doesn't um, doesn't Chicago have a club football team? Yeah, they got it. They, they play uh, Illinois Wesleyan and those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, there you have it. Like I said, there'll be an SAT conference out there. God. Well, Lou, take care of yourself. SP Futures up 15. NASDAQ Futures up 43. We're trying to make a comeback here. Be right back, Mr. Danjanitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. 
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell, Andrew on the board. SP futures up 15. Nasdaq futures up 44. We're making another run at a at a rally here. We'll see how that uh, that works out. Uh, um, we hope that Mr. Dan Janitas isn't like Mr. Kenny Polkari on Tuesday. It says it looks like we have a rally today. From the second he said that, we went down like 80 school points. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, Dan, how are you, Kenny? Kenny, I, I can't I can't wait till next Tuesday so I give him crap about that. <laughs> And you should. His timing couldn't have been better. <laughs> he goes, well, it looks like we're going to try and make a comeback today. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of this? I have a specific question for you. And then, sure. I have to, then I have to uh, quiz you because you're the man with the answers. Uh, if anybody can explain this uh, drop in the 10-year rate and the massive rally in bonds, giving what the Fed is, is doing, there must be some difference between what they're doing and what they're saying because it doesn't doesn't compute. I'm looking at the the Federal Reserve balance sheet, Dan, and for the first time, well, that I can remember, Powell has actually done what he said he's going to do, and we've gone from an 8.965 trillion balance sheet on April 13th to last week was 8.5, so they're down almost 400 billion, and actually in the last week they're down 40 billion dollars, which is a you know, it's more than they're saying they're going to do, at least in the right. week, and it's coming down pretty heavy, and then they've got money supply um, dropping as well, not precipitously, but actually dropping, which it never usually does, and and yet we've got bonds and, and rates going, if you and I were just sitting in class taking a test from somebody, and we were to say, oh, that means rates go down, I think we get an F, uh, just saying, uh, but yet that's <laughs> happening. What can you explain it? I can't. Unless they're telling somebody it's only going to last for a little while or something, or, or 
there's there's the the recession fears are are so entrenched now that they're more than just fears and people actually know we're going to the crap hole. Somewhere in there is the answer. Where's the answer? Yeah, I would tend to lean towards um, there are recession fears and there is this flight to quality. So, you know, when there's buying, um, whether it be U.S. investors or foreign investors, they're buying the treasuries and they're generally buying the 10-year or, or possibly longer, like the 30-year. So the, there's been a huge amount of buying um, in this flight to quality um, with the anticipation that there's a recession. And the irony is that the yield curve is actually um, inverting even further. It's more inverted now than even was a week ago. It's um, between the twos and the tens, we have 83 basis points. Between the one, the one year T bill and the 10 year, we have 122 basis points. So there's a lot of buying from um, investors who are concerned about the slowdown. I bet at a conference in Palm Beach the last couple of days there was a it was an investor conference and a, and there was a, a a poll that was taken amongst all the investors and I would say ninety percent of them anticipate a recession. They were either in one or that we're going to continue to see one in, into the next year. And more concerned, people are more concerned about a recession than they are about inflation. They also think a recession is the way out. So with all that being said, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of money is going into treasuries. The other point is that we haven't had yield. We haven't had yield in the government market in over a decade. You know, people have been reaching for yield, and there hasn't been any. So now we finally have some yield. So there has been a good conservative um, replacement substitute, if you will, for some of the dividend stocks that are paying three or four percent. So now you're able to get one year for four sixty, four sixty seven, and uh, two year for four thirty or four twenty eight. I think today, and that gives you you know more yield than you're getting in a in a in a dividend paying stock. And you're in, you know without having to worry about the volatility or potential downturn of the equity market. So, so I think those are reasons that we're seeing this um, this sort of uh, rally, if you will, in the bonds in between these periods of Fed hikes. So next week we have another Fed hike, and the consensus is now 50 basis points. And I can assure you, at some point, we're gonna, these rates currently are going to be higher. So it's unlikely that we're going to see less than 50 basis points next week. I think if we saw more, we'd see a spike in interest rates. And if we see 50, we're still going to see higher rates next week. So that's I, uh, that's pretty much a given. You're going to see them on the short end, but I think you're going to see them across the whole um, yield curve. You're going to see higher rates um, once the Fed decision is made. So, And the talk still is for continued hikes, even if they're smaller, into the early part of the year. And what that says is continued hikes and you know looking at five percent as the as maybe the target rate on uh, how that you know it i agree with you on the surface it doesn't make sense at all but it's really it's just investor money uh chasing after yield and chasing after uh, qu- uh you know quality like quality uh, uh i guess uh an over an overall question seems to me that no matter what unless we're talking about the 1950s uh, which steady which steady Eddie everything pretty much. I don't see how anybody, the the the, the people under the age of thirty five, are are happy as a clam putting their money up at appears at three percent because in the last decade they were getting two or one and a half or something. I still see 
3% on a 10-year investment is horrible, especially in an inflationary environment. I don't see how you commit that kind of money to that. I just, I mean, it, it, that's, it's, it's, that's just me from my, my level of experience. Am I too, stri- too stringent on that, or is, is this, is this I, really I, the new world? I would I, agree with you. I'm not buying the 10-year either. I, I think if you want to get a little bit of yield, stay short by the one-year um, and wait until next week before you do that because the one year is going to be even higher. It might be even close to 5% next week. Well, we have a lot of people, um, and, you know, a lot of it is beyond your advice, by the way, uh, good advice that are in the, well, they were in the six months that are now, you know, I mean, a lot of our stuff's coming due in February, and we have a whole bunch of 30-day stuff we just did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going to say, without anticipating our strategy then, we're probably looking at rolling those again in February for another six months, aren't we? Is is the best thing to do? Yes, I think that would be the best thing to do because with with you know with the anticipation of a couple more hikes between now and then, we, we're very likely to see um, higher rates on the short end, and that would be the perfect move to to continue to roll them. And, and actually, they're they're kind of ahead of the game. Even even the T bills, the short term T bills, have rallied. You know, so we've seen. We've seen some upward price movement, more upward price movement than anticipated. They've actually sort of outperformed what we we expected because because there has been a lot of focus on the short end. You know, going back to whether younger investors would put money into the ten year, I I would say they probably aren't the people putting money there. Right. They're probably the, still the people that are putting money into you know some of the tech sector. Uh, you know, with the anticipation that we have a long, you know, that they have a long. Um, you know, time horizon. So, with the sell-off in tech and the sell-off in uh, actually, I heard Kathy Kathy Wood was speaking out also at this conference, and I had a chance to speak with her. And she's still very bullish on her innovation. I mean, she has to be, I guess, not necessarily a fan, but but her 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 um, point of view is that there's going to be opportunities here in these names that have sold off so significantly over the past year. And we're still in, a, you know, a period of innovation, you know, generally in the world. So, um, you know, for younger people, I think that's the way they're going to go. They might go with some climate change stories as well on top of that. Um, but there is, you know, there's certainly some opportunity there. I'm not, that isn't my um, thing necessarily. That's not our thing because we're more income focused. But there, there definitely is still a fair amount of capital, and at some point, they're going to be investors stepping into that space again. Well, I mean, her, her without taking a pot shot, uh, I guess I'm going to anyway. I've I've heard people like her my whole life in here, and, yeah. I've, heard, and I've heard and I've heard people like Joe Granville back in the yeah. '80s, where you know sell everything because the world looks like crap. You know, okay, fine. But the fact is, when interest rates started to come down in the '80s, these companies were going to make a lot of money, and they did. And and the, mar- and the market didn't deserve to be 800. I'm talking about the Dow 800. Right. You know, it, so I mean, these companies that she talked about, they may be innovative, they may be the smartest young guys on the block. The fact is, they were horrible business models. They were way priced too high, and that makes a difference too. I mean, it makes yeah. a huge difference. And she seems to, if it's a good idea, pay fifty million for it. What's the difference? It's going to be eighty million. Well, no, that's bullshit, basically. No, I'm I'm on I'm on the same page with you on that. I'm just saying, you know, when you were talking about younger investors, I'm saying that there are people who are still on the bandwagon looking for. For those like, you know, it's sort of a longer term time horizon, and and I agree. I mean, I, we buy companies that are free cash flow positive, and I don't think any of hers, the names in her her fund are. Um, there, there's a, there's a natural, you know, I think that there's 
it's natural for a lot of people to be looking still for the next hot idea. And there's going to be people chasing them no matter what the market is doing. So, um, but I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be putting money in there. Well, my, I, would, my, I would be, you know, I would, this is a time to be conservative, especially where you have such a large percentage of people expecting a slowdown, especially where you have a yield curve that's the most inverted that it's been. And even though spending has been really high, you know, if we look at this sort of early holiday sales and if you just kind of open your eyes to what's going on around you, people are spending money still. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's no question about it. And there's a lot of talk about housing prices coming down and, and you know, all, all this anticipation of what's going to happen in the future. But what's happened currently, what's currently happening is we're still seeing spending. Well, we're, we're still seeing, seeing a fair amount of people out there traveling, um, you know, hotels. How do you gauge? I mean, I, first of all, I'm not saying... Let me back up a second. When I, when I mentioned earlier... Sometimes when what you're thinking, you didn't say. What I what I was talking about, I wasn't meaning young people are dumb enough to to do in ten years, and we're not. That's not what I meant. What I meant was, our people people seem to have been comfortable for a long time investing money to where the return is less than the rate of inflation. And and to me that to me that's that's a that's a non-starter. But are people actually gotten used to that? I mean, to me, every time you give somebody money, and he gives it back to you, you lost dough. I think people are actually consuming, so I think there's less savings going on, um, and the, you know, people's credit, um, you know, the balance sheet is definitely more leveraged than it's been. So, you know, um, definitely more debt on people's balance sheets, and that's probably changed a little bit. But if you look at even what's happened with the ten-year, um, you know, with mortgage rates, you know, they were up at over seven, and they're now floating around six. So it's you know, it's really a month-to-month. Um, you know, depending on what day you're looking at the market, uh, you know, fixed, we're not used to fixed income. Uh, we're not used to rates having this level of volatility. Yeah. So it's about timing and it's about when you get in. And actually, I think you did make a good point with, you know, with it being an option. You know, it's not really being an option for younger people because because they have a long time horizon and because it would not be a smart option because um, certainly you'll be able to do better over the time frame if you're patient. Um, but getting into a tenure, the, you know, especially as a young person right now, makes absolutely no sense. Well, Dan, I have a, a question regarding your mentioning. You know, people are still spending and and so forth. And I, you know, my, my neighbors just went to this new place in our neighborhood that evidently was well, real small, but but it must be the you know, the new one percent or neighborhood spot. You can't get in, and all, when they, whatever every time they leave, they they bitch about, about how expensive it was. I mean. Talk about salads are twenty two bucks the place. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, uh, uh, but I mean, I guess that's a function of the lease and whatever. But I guess what, what my question is when when you say, I mean, I listen to you know tout radio or TV all day long with the you know, mostly CNBC, but sometimes the other guys. And you'll have somebody come out and say everybody's spending. God's sake, you know everybody's bitching about the uh, you know there's we're going in a, in a rat hole and looks to me like spending's up two percent. And some other guy comes out and says. Well, that's interesting because the, the rates are the prices are up twenty. You know, you know, it, right. it means people are. How do you, how do you gauge when you look at air travel, and all of a sudden these guys, you have a concentrated industry, even more concentrated than before we deregulated it, Absolutely. like not even close. Yeah. So, in the, and there's still what fifteen, twenty, twenty five percent less seats available than before COVID, or maybe I'm not, I'm not sure exactly yep. the number. So okay, they're full, and they're charging more. Well, if there was more competition, that wouldn't be happening. I mean, right. how do you, how do you I mean how do you 
gauge a Home Depot and a Lowe's where in virtually every town in this country you've got one Home Depot or one Lowe's. I mean, you know, everybody isn't in Chicago with with a with the Menards and with you know a few independents still around. I mean, how do you how do you gauge how you're doing? I mean, I, in terms of spending, and if it's just very narrow, if it's on a credit card. But I, 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 first of all, I, I don't know enough to say you're wrong. I have no idea. You, you could be right. I mean, how, do, how do you figure it out? Well, the, I think from the company's point of view, they're, they're, you're right. They're looking at top line, even though they might cut back, whether it be cutting back on, on you know, the, uh, the, the number of flights or, or cutting back on their inventory or, or their st- what's in stock. But they're, they're, they're charging more. Yeah. And they've been able to manage their costs Still, so that their bottom line still, you know, people are going to, for some companies, their earnings are still looking decent. But what, it, what they're going by is top line revenues, and you're right, they've been inflated. <laughs> Everything's yeah. been inflated. So when you say there's been more sales, there's been more sales because prices have been inflated. But I think just from observation, um, in terms of seeing, um, you know, like the place down the street from you that you were talking about, and, and we have a place similar that. Is a two two week wait or a three week wait to get in, and it's it's I think because they've cut hours and there's um, fewer you know maybe fewer options. Um, the the ones who are around that have the right business model are going to do really well. But I think more importantly, people are spending whether or not they have the money, whether they're putting it all on credit, um, whether they're still living off of you know PPP money or just money that they've earned over the last decade. Um, people are in a spending mode is is kind of what my observation has been and i think that's been the case um it, you know most places i was in orlando visiting some clients and they were at disney and it was jam-packed there absolutely jam-packed every restaurant um you know every hotel it's you know and this is sort of pre-season for them this is before the kids get out of school so it's very, you know it, it, there's no slowdown and there's no you know if anything that we're hearing about you know Disney having issues and all that it's certainly not happening in the in the, in the park areas and and at the hotels there so there's I think the you know kind of keeping an eye out and watching you know people how crowded stores are um, you know how much traffic you're seeing on the road and that sort of thing people who are doing renovation work on their homes are well, that, still you know, doing that's it. A, that, that hasn't slowed down so that, that is a place to be in. Renovation homes is probably if I had to pick two businesses right now, <laughs> two yeah. blue collar businesses would be home renovation and it would be auto repair. Auto repair as well, right? Absolutely. Um, hey, uh, um, we got some time here, and I, I, you, you may not have come across any of these places, but one of the themes from the last week or week or so, it comes from, and I'm saying too much of this, but one of the guys that we do, well, you do business with NFO as well. Uh, the guys in there that do the the you know the long only stuff, you know, just pick stock. What, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not denigrating it. They, they're not the people who are in that that group of people. Don't want uh, protected stuff like I have or whatever. Maybe they don't need it. Maybe they've got protected stuff other places or whatever. But they essentially are. I use the term stock pickers. Uh, and uh, they were smart enough. The day, the literally the day the tanks rolled into the Ukraine, uh, they significantly overweighted defense stocks. Now, I'm going to guess. I don't know the numbers in front of me, but they're. They're down on the year, but nothing like the rest of the world in, in stocks. I mean, they've done appreciably well. And uh, now that ship doesn't seem to have left the station as we see contracts coming out every single day. And seemingly we have to re, re, uh, restock our entire inventory of everything from bullets to si- missiles to everything else. Um, I know of the top four or five firms in the industry 
Do you do you come across any investable sort of people that do the mundane stuff like make bullets, make shells, and that are actually investable? I mean, could you? Is there a chance to put together four or five stacks in in those areas that, that we would like? Because I don't know. I mean, I, I would. I have a feeling that the, you know, unless they've tripled in the last three weeks because they just got a contract, in which case you might say they're too expensive. But is there is there going to be another year where you sort of want overweight in that area? I mean, without just buying. Boeing and Honeywell, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the major defense companies probably will will continue to do well. We had an investment in a small, uh, actually a micro cap company um, called Ammo A M M O a number of years ago, and I actually did a fair amount of due diligence, including the facility, you know, visiting the facility that makes the bullets, and they have this thing called Trace, which is you know when you when you shoot, you can actually see a path of color. Um, and and the you know the military and um, the government you know municipalities uh, police officers uh, were a big part of their business, but also you know hunting and uh, people having homes for you know having guns for defense. That business was well run. They they had a guy who had come in who was a turnaround expert, but as it turned out, they were um, a lot. There's a lot of mom and pops in that industry. And I don't know that they really had an edge that would have made their stock attractive, if that makes sense. Like, That's the business saying, was right? fine, but I don't know if the stock had a huge amount of upside. In the defense area, I would stick with the larger names, the ones, you know, the names that are um, uh, the Mariettas and the Lockheeds and the and the Raytheons and the names that are uh, have consistently done well, you know, through different periods, you know, through sort of tightening and loosening, if you will, in the defense industry. So I think those would be the names to... With it, it really isn't our area because there's not a lot of options on the income side. Yeah. There's not a lot of um, there's not many um, opportunities, I should say, on the income side in the defense um, in the defense industry. But um, that would be my take on it. Yeah, well, Lou was saying that Denver's a, a big hotbed of innovation in terms of you know shells that are ceramic and radar dodging and you know God knows he goes through the whole list of the stuff. He says there's all kinds of places all over that he can sort of name are doing some work. But they, some of them might be taken over by the bigger guys. He doesn't know any of them are. I won't say even, you know, they're 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 at a level where you or I want to get involved with with a share with a, with, a, with an investor. Yeah, and I would definitely agree with him. And I actually did go to a gun show in Denver when I was out there a few years ago, and and it was run by you know most there were a lot of mom and pops, a lot of smaller smaller um, firms that are based there that are yeah, and that was kind of the the situation with that company Ammo that I looked at as well which is based in phoenix they're they're um you know they they could be bought out i mean it could be or you know that would be the play if you own the equity but um you know some of them i'm sure aren't even public but the micro cap names i don't know in this environment whether they're the best place to be your, your um, idea I, I the, stick with the bigger your idea bigger of, the, of the tracer the tracer bullet leads me to <laughs> when when uh I don't, I don't know which side invented the flamethrower world war one right yeah of course it was but people figured out like real quick, if you shoot into the flames, you hit the guy with the flamethrower. <laughs> right, right, yeah, no. so you didn't you didn't want to be the guy carrying the flamethrower packet pack because you didn't last very long. Just saying. But so I mean, right now today I, we've got our guys. Uh, you know, like I said we're we're hold up in these shorter terms. I'd be, I guess, happy as a clam if it came around. Uh, it, was it happy as a clam at low tide when the. Uh, February came around, and we can get another four plus on these. Uh, yep. You know, six month or three month treasuries. I mean, uh, 
They're going to be closer to five, I think. I think they're going to be closer to five. So you're going to be trading up. And the and the, and the um, floating rate uh, notes themselves are, are really good opportunities. There's a, another company that I met with yesterday. Um, I now have met with them a few times. Their their arrow mark, but their ticker symbol is B A N X, and it's basically a closed end fund that invests in bank loans and invests at a certain you know high, the higher level bank loans. And they're paying a 9% dividend right now. So if you look at BANX, um, all, you know, 90% of the loans they have are floating rates, so they participate as rates go higher. So at least in the near term, this particular company is going to do well. You're going to get a nice fat dividend. Um, you're going to get paid for it. You're not going to necessarily get a lot of capital appreciation, but if you're looking for an income opportunity, this one certainly has has that. And um one other idea that I that I you know I've mentioned pretty much in every meeting at some point you know having some allocation of gold and silver, but I did meet with the uh, Sprott, which is a company that you know is a gold um, you know kind of a guru of gold and and, and metals. And um, one thing that came out of that meeting is that silver is actually very undervalued relative to gold. And if you look at the the uses of silver. Um, we're talking about things like, um, obviously, like electricity, uh, solar energy, batteries. Um, there's going to continue to be a demand for for this um, commodity, that a demand for silver. And relative to gold, I think if you look historically, it looks relatively cheap. I've always liked silver as an investment, even though it hasn't done a lot in recent years. It's starting to track up a little bit. And I think it's a good diversifier in a portfolio right now, we, uh, so for especially as a as a relatively conservative play. We have a lot of lot of people in the GDX, but we 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 slipped some money into silver last week or week before. Not a lot, just good a little bit. Yeah, yeah, good timing. Yeah, yeah. good timing. I think that's a a nice diversifier, and we don't really know what's happening with the dollar. But if there is any softness, that'll also help the, the metals, um, both gold and silver. So there's, you know, and then we had mentioned before the other company, DRD Gold, which. Um, and we started talking about it. It was at six, and now it's close to seven. The stock prices was at six, and now it's close to seven. And again, that's another good story um, going forward. There's going to be at some point a, you know, not necessarily a supply shortage, but some of the mines have closed, and you know, to me that just means that you know there will be continued demand, and so that just means prices are likely to continue to go up. So we we're, those guys we're not have, at the very bottom of the trading range, but we're sort of near the bottom still. And we have to dash um, here, but Dan, we were talking about those guys at DRD doing, actually getting the gold off the, the stuff that's actually was was uh, waste from other places. Lou, yeah. said, Lou, Lou lives up. Well, he has he has a place up near uh, Cripple Creek. Yeah, and every and evidently that was where more gold was mined there than anywhere. And so there's a company or two that is going through all the. I want to call them entra- entrails. What do they call the stuff that's left over? The, the garbagey stuff right. that nobody wants. Yes, they're going through that and they're and they're mining that for little bits and pieces of gold as well. So it's it's not just. I mean, it, it's it's a proven technology, I believe. I mean, uh, anyway, Dan, we'll talk at you next week. Thank you for the good stuff yep. uh, as usual. Have a sure. nice weekend. Uh, SP up twenty now, and as if he's up sixty four. We're trying to make this a rally. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom. Andrew on the board. Andrew, after we're uh, done with this, uh, do me a favor. Breaking news: Brittany Griner just got traded, traded for lack of a better term, a prisoner swap with uh, somebody from Russia. I don't know who that is. I don't know if it's that spy we didn't want to give up. Maybe we actually did. I'm, I'm happy she's back here or on her way back anyway. Uh, she made a mistake, but I don't, I don't think I want my worst enemy, which she isn't, in a uh, Russian gulag. Not even you or Little Matt. I would want you guys in it. How long do you think you guys had last in a gulag? Uh, a day. <laughs> Probably not long. <laughs> SP Peter's up 21. You might be a half a day longer than me. SP Peter's up 21. NASDAQ Peter's up 67. Dow Peter's up 112. I'd say Flanagan lasts the least. He, he lasts like two hours. If he can't like go to an opera or something, he doesn't want any part of the place. Over, over, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 24.2%. FTSE up 3. 
call that flat. Kakaron down one. Call that flat. Doesn't look like anybody wants to do any trading over in Europe today. Or if they do, they're trade. They're real happy with the price where it was yesterday. Nikkei down 111.4%. Shanghai down two. Call that flat. The big news: Hang Seng up another 635, 19.4. So they're up from 14.4, and I'm going to say six weeks. It's 500 points. That's God's sake. That's almost 40%. That's really unbelievable. If you'd have caught that wave, that's 3.3% today. Yesterday, Dow was up one. Uh, scratch that. The S&P down seven. Nasdaq down 56. The big news yesterday was not that we we didn't go. Didn't rally or didn't go down more. We didn't rally at all off the day before, which was a horrendous day. So today we're trying to do that, uh, and we'll see if we can keep going on that. We've got bonds up four basis points, 3.45. Bund unchanged at 1.79. Japan always unchanged at 0.25. Oil up 287 is one of the reasons we're up here today. It's almost 4%, 70.48. Rent up 169. Uh, That's 2.1% to 78.86. Natural gas up 18 cents, but still under six bucks, 581. Arab up four cents, 212. And there's gas around now for 330 and something in places here in Chicago, and it's under three bucks some parts of the country. We've got gold up 280, 1800, almost exactly 1880 cents. Silver up 10 cents, 2303. Copper up three cents, 389. We've got Bitcoin up 27 bucks, but still under 17,000, 16853. We've got the U.S. dollar, which was mixed earlier. Uh, now we're uh, actually a, a slight bit lower on, on both of them. Uh, Euro, Euro, we're down 25 basis points. Is up, they're up 25 basis points. That puts us down. Uh, British pound up 23 as well. So British pound at 122, Euro at 105, way off their lows. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, and find out about Brittany. All right, yeah, doing a little bit of research there still. Um, but for traffic, weather, sports, it's 7.37 here in Chicago on Thursday, December 8th. Uh, over in sports, in the NBA last night, the Bulls won, playing against the Wizards, ending 115-111. to 111. And the Suns lost to the Celtics, ending in a, ending a game 125. By the way, those are the Celtics. Celtics, I knew it. I knew I was yeah. saying it right. <laughs> uh, ending 125-98. to 98. Um, And over in the NFL tonight, the Raiders play the Rams at 7.15 p.m. Now for Chicago weather. It is cloudy today, currently at 35 degrees. We're going to have a high of 41. And over in Phoenix, it's currently at 44 degrees, clear, with a high of 66. Now for Chicago traffic. Uh, traffic is building on the inbound major expressways, but also expect delays, particularly on the left lane of the southbound Edens near Elston Avenue, as an earlier accident has blocked the left lane up there. So expect delays up to 20 minutes. And an earlier accident on the... Uh, what was it? The the uh, uh, inbound I-57 and Bishop Ford is bringing pretty heavy delays if coming in the city from the south. Uh, so I'll keep you updated on the... Well, that's uh, why the Dan Ryan is good, because nobody can get there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if I find out more about that prisoner situation, I will let you know. Please do. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good Johnny. morning, Tom. How are you? I'm good. How about you? All right. Well, you, you listen to the other dudes. What do you think? About anything. <laughs> well, I'm I'm with you. How do you know if anybody's making any money these days, Tom? I mean, we know people are spending money up the wazoo, but are, are any real vendors doing well, doing better, you know, maintaining? How how can you really determine that when you got you know inflation what it is and spending habits that really don't enable you to make some reasons you know 
arguments about what's really happening. I, I have a sense things are, are not going well, but um, you wouldn't maybe know it from just sales numbers. Well, if you walk into, uh, let's say, the series, it used to be the big trader bar, even though there's no traders down here anymore. Uh, I was there Monday for a second to meet some people, and I stopped in last night. Last night, you would say, well, you know, and it's still not full of any circumstance like it used to be, but Wednesday and Thursday, they have, if you walk in on a Thursday, it's say, man, economy's back, because that's, that's the new Friday. If you walk in on Monday, when most people, I mean, a lot of people are only working Tuesday through Thursday, you're the only person in the place, I mean, it's that bad. So you have to be real careful at what, what night you pick or what restaurant you walk by, because the, the two places across the street that maybe used to be open aren't, so that gives you a bad read. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's very difficult to figure out. I, my my suspicion, Jan, is is that the with every month, every passing month, the spending is going up another one point up the percentage scale, to where now it's the you know the top fifteen percent that are doing all the spending, or maybe it used to be the top twenty or something. Is my suspicion, I, but I have no way of proving that. Um, I mean, you see some anecdotal evidence that the the high-end stores are doing better than the lower-end stores. I mean, you see some of that, but again, it's it's kind of anecdotal evidence. It's something that I would really like if I if I was a professor somewhere in a bunch. Actually, our, our professors don't seem to have a bunch of <laughs> I should say a bunch of dweebs around trying to do everything they can for you to so they can get another fellowship or something. Uh, I don't think guys have guys that can do all this research anymore. Maybe at some schools they do. Maybe at Chicago or Northwestern or someplace. Yeah, it's probably the big name. You know, people over there with with titles and endowed chairs get a whole fleet of people who can help them out, but not the average person. No, I uh, I, I wonder since you have a a real solid knack in, in Chicago and places like that. And I, you know, you talk to Lou and he's talking about how Denver is, you know, getting all this research and stuff in the defense area and. And then, you, you know, you talk about where you see Arizona getting the uh, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor Plant and, and uh, you know, Dan's talking about how, you know, people still want to go to Florida because they're leaving some of these places. By the way, did you see the average rent in Manhattan now is 5200 bucks a month? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a chunk. My God. Uh, and I just, I wonder, as you and I have been lifetime Chicago citizens and, and lovers and uh, of the place and our families have lived here and we can cite... You probably better than me. Pretty much the history of any of it, and the backyards, and the waterways, and everything. And I, I, I really don't want to see the place go down. And I, and I look around, John, and uh, this is not a, a question of gender. It's not a question of color. It's not a question of sexual. Whatever you are, I, somehow or another. And I don't know how you get there from Chicago. I don't know how you turn a bus of this magnitude around. You can't have your mayor on TV looking like she's from God knows where, screaming, or, and that he hasn't done this recently, at the press for overcounting murders. That does not, if I'm a CEO of any place that's looking for a new place to bring, you know, a, either a chip manufacturing or something, I don't say to myself, boy, we should look at that place. I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, when people are elected and I'm sure she's trying to do a good job, and if we sat down with her, we'd probably even like the lady, but that is that is not the impression you want to give. It just isn't. No, you counted 400 murders, there was really only 375 you're screwing me. That's not what, that's not what you want to hear. It, it tells me, Tom, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of 
you know, people in city government, it's not just the mayor, but I, I would certainly include the mayor in that, but it involves, you know, being so selective in the way you screen what you're looking at because you've got some ideology or some narrative to sell that you're willing to kind of lump everybody else in the city who's just, you know, trying to get along, has, you know, a, a, an outlook that they feel very confident about. It, it's just a way of telling these people your view is so skewed that it's, I, I don't even countenance talking about it. How can you say that crime is up? I'll give you the numbers, and it's, it's down. And only somebody who is totally dismissive of the average person's wisdom could could say something like that and expect to get away with it. But it shows just, just how little connection there is between the people running the show and the people who are actually watching the show go by. Uh, I, I kind of think you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's just such a blindness here that I don't know Maybe it's it's just you know they're slaves to their ideology, or that they they are just completely wrapped up in a, in a vision of the world that very few people share. But they they have to block out so many other people's visions that we're dealing with some some kind of wacko people. And I just I see this is the way big city government tends to self-select these days. I, I just don't understand how we get so many cities with so many bad you know, leaders. Um, and all doing the same kind of ignoring of, of the reality on the ground. I mean, whether you take Portland or Minneapolis or San Francisco or New York or Chicago, you name it, they're all in the same game. And I just I just don't see any way out of this other than you're going to run up against a wall where everybody leaves or everybody revolts, and then, you know, what do you got? So well, I would say after listening to the people on the show, and we have a, big, a huge smattering of people, I mean, uh, in terms of what they bring to the table, and that's why, basically, that's why I picked them, for lack of a better term. Uh, but, I mean, to get the vision that Lou's, you know, I mean, we didn't talk about this at length, but he just kind of mentioned it, to get the vision, if I had, if, I, if somebody plucked me out of here and said, okay, you're our new CEO of a, of a, uh, of, you know, a high-tech firm or any kind of firm, even if it's a manufacturing firm, where would you pick? I, I mean, I, I look at, and what we have going on here, Jen, and I, I would say the the pluses are there's a lot of empty land. I guess that's a plus. We have a, an educational system at the university level. It's probably as good or better, certainly, than Denver, University of Chicago, Northwestern, DePaul, Loyola. I mean, it's not it's not like we're not loaded up with places. Uh, the research is here. Even the University of Illinois at Chicago is making great strides. Uh, we have that. We have an incredible transportation system, so everybody's not going to have to drive to go someplace. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the weather, <laughs> the weather, Chicago weather, but but basically, it's it's not a bad place to live. I mean, you're you're not that far from the forest reserves. You got a million golf courses. I mean, it's not like it's horrible, right? You got a lakefront, but then the rest of it, what would possess somebody? I mean, it's it's not that that Southworks closed forty years ago. It's that the the property's still sitting there. How? Yeah. Uh, hey, Andrew. Throw, Andrew's got some info on uh, what's her name, uh, Griner. What's the deal? Uh, yeah. So it looks like um, uh, there were negotiations going on for a while, and Griner was just traded for a a Russian's arm dealer uh, by the name of. That's the guy we originally didn't want to give up, but obviously we did. Yeah, Vic- Victor Bout. That's the guy. Also known as the what was it the. Uh, Merchant of Death. Yeah, that's the dude. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, he was a, uh, an arms dealer. Uh, he, he was um, imprisoned uh, uh, for uh, attempting to bring weapons to terrorist organizations and conspiring to kill Americans. Uh, he served 11 out of the 25 years he was sentenced to. So we had a basketball player get herself in this much trouble. We had to give this guy up to get her back. Yeah, for, for her. I'm glad she she's was... back. I'm, I'm glad we did it. But really? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, she was arrested um, for drug charges. This is in Russia. Arrested for drug charges for um, uh, cannabis oil was found yeah. in her vape canisters. Yeah, I mean, but I just, you know. God, we're, we're the nuns with the ruler. Uh, but she didn't deserve to be in a Russian gulag. We all know that. I'm glad she's back. So I'm glad they did the trade. But it doesn't look like an even trade, does it, John? Yeah, I, you know, this is this is what happens in any kind of exchange deals, I think. You know, there's this, a really seamy side to them. And it shows pretty much, you know, people let down their guard. They show exactly what a human being is worth in terms of put another human being into the scale. Yeah. And so, sometimes the results are not very edifying. <laughs> well, again, I'm very glad she's back. Everything I've everything I heard about her, she's a nice enough person who's made us just screwed up or felt she was entitled or something. But the fact is, she didn't deserve what she got. So I'm glad she's back. Who knows, maybe the other guy, maybe somebody will take him out tomorrow and we'll be okay with it. So <laughs> how's that for a horrible thing to say, Jeff? <laughs> but, but I, you know, uh, anyway, I'm very, actually, I'm very glad she's back. So, or will be back. Uh, but, John, I just, I don't know how you. I looked at the list of people running for mayors. Mayor, I don't see a person there that I think is anywhere near the talent to do what I think needs to be done. No, I think that you know what you, what we really need and, and what you know we don't have is someone who is um, you know a coalition builder and you know a consensus builder and somebody who doesn't talk down to anybody who's not in the room that day when there's some speech being given. Um, and kind of has a, a, a conciliatory attitude towards you know, all the strengths that, that, that a city like Chicago has, and, and it made it resilient enough to get this far. And instead of, of picking, you know, battles to fight about who isn't represented at the table or what, you know, how much more equity we need to get, you know, person A, B, C with greater representation in whatever part of the economy or politics you want to choose. Uh, to me, this is just you know all distraction. There, there isn't a single candidate really in, in the whole roster that I can see that has the, the kind of vision or the ability to get along with people that we need. Uh, they're they're all flawed in very deep ways. I think. Well, they've all got you know they're good constituencies. They got money. Some of them, they, you know, they they got the groups behind them, whether it's the labor unions for Chuy Garcia or the Board of Education for Brandon. Johnson or, or other people too. You know, that they have these interest groups, but, but this is what's wrong with Chicago right now. We've well, the just in terms of a, for me, the ten point plan. I mean, if I could have my my stocks and jacks group as the as the mayor consultants, I would stop any sort. I would immediately have somebody study every single abandoned railroad line in the city and stop any sort of giving that stuff away for anything. Because I think I want to put people movers. Or something on all of them, because our transportation here is horrendous. Uh, I'd bring back, you know, sort of like a streetcar sort of thing, and I'd put them on those things so people can go right into the neighborhoods. You know, those things are those are godsends. The overhead things that used to be railroad lines. Some of them would be bikeways, some would be streetcar lines, or something. I mean, I, you'd make this place a flower, you know, a, a garden spot, and you you got to stop this crime. I don't care if there's if there's 50 people. 
and the cops on the Dan Ryan, if somebody blows by me like Monday night, going 110 miles an hour with his lights off, I want the dude pulled over and I want the car impounded. That people should ha- not have to endure that. And I'm just saying. And the downtown part, if you're shooting somebody, you're getting shot back. I'm sorry. You know, if you shoot out of a car, we're riddling the place with the, like a rat patrol. The, the city will be safe. If people don't like it, the hell with them. And, and if, and if uh, and I'm sounding like a, you know, a, 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 you know, some kind of right-wing dictator, I'm not. We're going to get the bums off the train. And most of them have mental problems. We're going to find a place for them. We're going to a nice place. We're going to help them. We're going to do all that stuff. We're not just going to go day by day looking the other way, John. We, we can't do that anymore. And, well, and we, we've just gotten completely out of hand, Tom. I, mean, I went you know, downtown Sunday for the Chris Kindle Market, you know, at Daily Plaza, which was very pleasant. It was very well attended. Um, it, you know, if you kind of half closed your eyes and, and looked around you, you know, you could think, gee, Chicago seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, most of the people that I saw there, I had the impression they were tourists. They were not locals. Uh, they were all spending money. Everybody's in a good mood. You know, there was music playing, all sorts of you know, noise and activity. And even going out into the adjoining you know, blocks in the loop, it, you, there were more people downtown than I've seen in a while. A long time, yeah. Much but better you, than it was. You, you get on the L, you get on the bus, and there's the obligatory homeless person or persons in your car. Uh, and you get off and, you know, wait for a bus and you see people you know sleeping in doorways and um I, I, it, it, it's really hard to make sense out of, out of a picture like this and it, it, the fact that it's, it's become standardized this way i mean I, I saw lincoln nebraska when i was there back in october for just a, a two-day trip and, and lincoln is a pretty prosperous state capital city by most standards and nebraska is you know real corn-fed homespun place and they've got a homeless problem like I never saw there before. I was last there about seven or eight years ago, and I couldn't believe how, how different well, it was. Well, you can't. Every, every day in the life, if somebody's place, and I've talked to some of the homeless people down here. I, as everybody knows, I talk to everybody. And it, inevitably, it's a plant that closed. It's something where you showed up and, you know, the, the place is now closed. And you don't, they have no place. To, so you end up here, and all of a sudden the drugs start. And But there's an urgency to it. You You don't live under a bridge taking drugs for 10 years and all of a sudden get a job the next day and show up for eight hours and do the job. I mean, it, there's, you, you lose your ability. So there's an urgency to this that nobody seems to have. We're talking about helping people, not, not throwing them in jail. And, and, and there's, there's, I don't see any, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of private programs that are doing this stuff, but for God's sake, it's everybody's problem. Or would we lose John Andrew? I take that as a yes. Yeah, I guess we might have. Uh, but I, I imagine you'll get them back in a second. But this, this is, this is everybody. I mean, I don't really want to, nor does anybody, want to pony up, you know, hundred bucks a week to fix the homeless problem in Lincoln. But I also know that this is for everybody to be having the same problem. It's not just Chicago's problem. It's not just Lincoln's problem. It's not just. I mean, what are we doing? How are we not? Now we're bringing all kinds of stuff back from. Well, we think we are, and I see nothing but jobs available in, from people I know in Chicago in the metal industry and so forth. How do we get some percentage of the people under the bridge, not all of them? John, I'm saying we, we see this total disconnect between available jobs going forward and people, for lack of a better term, either in our vestibule downstairs or living under the bridge. And there, to me, there's, a, there's almost an expiration time. I shouldn't say it on a human being, but... An expiration time of where you can bring somebody back to where they actually can live somewhere and go to work. 
I don't. I, I we need some very bold moves in this area, and it might as well be here. And maybe the bleeps in Lincoln can learn from us for once. You know, right. there's got there's got to be a way where you. I mean, uh, pick three red line trains a day, and there's going to be, you know, forty people. They're going to go in two buses, and you're going to you're going to say, okay, this pass along in New York. We say, okay, what are you doing here? Where are you from? What's the problem? I mean, I mean, you, you, I'm not talking about anything vindictive here. I'm saying, are you able to work if you had a job? Well, so, and you might get out of 40. The answer might be yes for five. There's going to be some that have been so into the drugs and stuff for so long, and maybe you're, maybe you're a month away, six months away, maybe never. Or maybe some people just have mental problems that they're, they're never going to be able to do anything with anybody, which means they need to be someplace but not on the L. I mean, I mean, is, is anybody even looking at this other than maybe some private firms? Private no, I mean, you know, the, the problem is nobody is, is willing to to even look at how big of an issue it's become. It's the same thing, you know, when you talk about, you know, crime statistics or whatever else. The, the homeless problem, as most people see it, isn't even seen as a problem by the people city government. Well, but, but the thing of it is, Johnny, just in terms of, I'm not saying I can solve, or what I'm talking about will solve the whole problem. But if I did that for a month, and I and I somehow was able to interview, I'll use the term interview, 500 people, it's going to give me a very good sense. I, I try and make it a random sample if I could. It's going to be a very good sense of who the hell everybody is. Let's see, out of 500, I can count on 100 that if I get them a spot at the mission or someplace and a little bit of rehab, that I can actually have them out doing something in 30 days, 60 days. Out of 100, maybe it's a drug issue when they were young. Maybe maybe they just have mental issues that are all, they always have. They're never going to be able to work anywhere. They belong in Tinley if we still had a Tinley. Uh, and, you know, a nice place where people are taken care of. Uh, I, I, don't even, I don't even know. Does anybody even know the extent of the problem? Is it, is it 100 out of the 500 are employable in a month or two? I'm not talking about as a physicist. I'm talking about can we... You know, be sweeping out railroad cars or helping out in the parks or doing something. Is it two hundred? Is it fifty? Is are, what about in the middle? Are they hopelessly drugged up with oxycontin or somewhere where their bodies are like they're ninety, even though they're thirty? Does anybody even know? I mean, I think no, and, and because they don't know, Tom. You know, it, it's a question too. Well, is there any kind of a manageable number of people that we can live with? Is there is there some tipping point when we, we realize we've kind of let you know the show go off the rails here? Um, what I see happening, and you can just drive around and, and see evidence of this, but you'll see, you know, tent cities in park district parks, yeah, or people living in bus shelters, you know, or you know the the, the warming station at Jefferson Park at the Blue Line station and the, the the bus depot, they've had to block the whole thing off. Nobody can get warm now because the homeless people are completely taking it over. If, if they went in and just had a, a census of the people. In one place where there's a routinely people living on the street, and identified who they were, how long have they been here, where were they before they were here, um, what kind of skills do they have, do they have any kind of family, do they have any resources, do they have a resume, do they have a job history, do they got family, whatever. I just think that if somebody were to tackle this in one place, you know, and, and say, here's a, what's happening in Warren Park, in Rogers Park, or, or here's what's happening under the Kennedy at Belmont Avenue. If we really knew how that got to what it's become, and how that can help us understand what's likely to happen elsewhere or is already happening, 
um, we'd, we'd be farther along in this game of deciding whether this is what we want to encourage or if we want to discourage this and if we want to reverse this trend rather than enable it. But I see all the language, all the energy is about just coping with it. You know, taking it on the chin. You can't complain about this. You can't view these people with suspicion. You, you can't even notice that they're there. It's what well, I'll people. bet if you look at 100 people... You're not people, even supposed to be aware that there's a problem. I'll bet if you look under the bridge over here on 14th Street, out of 100 people, if you offered it, you'd get 5 to 10 people that tomorrow would say, I'm coming by in a, in a micro bustle and we're going to go out to X Park and we're going to clean the place up and you guys are going to get 100 hours of pop and we got a place for you to stay tonight. I bet you'd, I bet you'd get 10. And, and, and every day that you don't do that, there's 10 that are sinking further. And then and don't worry about it. There's got, there's got to be some progress here. And then, and well, it's certainly, it's certainly worth a try. You know, it's like the, what's the old you know, William Powell movie, My Man Godfrey, where this guy's living under a bridge and he was a butler. And, you know, Carol Lombard's family lets him be a butler again. This is what he really wants to do. Yeah. But somebody t- took enough interest to find out, well, here's somebody who you know is a good match for us. Let- let's just find out. Let's care about them a little more than we do. We don't ke- see the ke- we're being trained not to care about them. We need, we need the to turn it. The too big to fix. It isn't even a problem at all. And we're just supposed to look the other way when we see it. We need I to make some progress. <laughs> we need to make some progress for the next time somebody puts up a place that's going to hire 3,000 people, they do it here. And we're a ways away from that. But I think we can get there. We have stuff. I'd, re- I'd rather live here in Denver. At least we got water, for God's sake. <laughs> Which is kind of key. Anyway, John, thank you very much, bud. SP Fuse up 23, Nancy Fuse up 67. Uh, back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.